This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we have company. Yes, we have company. Willie Colon, the former Jet, will join us in the 2 p.m. hour. So we'll talk a little Jets football. Until then, the lines are open. We'll talk a little baseball. We'll talk a little football. We'll talk a little basketball. We'll talk whatever you want to talk about. 1-800-919-3776. We begin with the New York Mets. And once again, my thoughts have become a liner on this station. I don't know if this will be good enough to make the uh, Michael K. Show liner 64 championship that they have in March, during March Madness. I don't know. But when I say, put me out of my misery as a Met fan, this is what I'm talking about. The Mets have played better. Yes, they even got a little league home run yesterday. (laughs) They have played better. They are not as bad as the team that we saw in June. But last night in the nightcap of their game and a half header yesterday, first game completion of the suspended game that was stopped because there was a deluge in Fenway on Friday night. Max Scherzer hit them out. Max Scherzer is the co-ace of the Mets staff. Max Scherzer has had a meh year. Meh. He's been really good on occasion. He's been really bad on occasion. And he's been so-so on occasion. And while the Mets are still in the position to take the series from Boston tonight, as Pat O'Keefe mentioned in the game you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. But if you watch the K-Rod broadcast, you'll see Don LaGreca. So keep that in mind. They could have gone for the sweep. Max Scherzer, again, gave me what I have now come to expect. So I was not disappointed in Max Scherzer's performance last night. I was not. Because I have adjusted my expectations, okay? My expectations are a quality start for Max Scherzer. Six innings, he gives up three runs. That's what I expect. So, gave up four home runs last night. So, that was a little worse than a quality effort, obviously. But see, that's why as we creep towards the August 1st deadline for trading in the in the in Major League Baseball. That's why it's hard for me to say, okay, they're going to be buyers. This team is going to be a selling team as of right now. And I think Buster only said it best. They're going to be measured sellers. So what does that mean? That means they will make moves with people that they can get the most from. Well, who could that be? Well, there appears to be, according to published reports, some interest in Justin Verlander if he will waive his no trade. Obviously, a David Robertson would be a person that would be available. There's a couple of other players. And the reason why I say this is very simple. It's because I don't think this team is going to put together a long enough streak that they will be buyers what, in a week and a half. Now, 
They are the ultimate tease because they will come out tonight and they will beat the Red Sox and they will have won three or four in this series and they will move on and you'll you'll say, huh, yeah, now we're rolling. Huh, yeah, this is what can happen now. We're in good shape. Now we're going to make that move and all they have to do is win series. That's what we're going to say. If you're a fan, and I'm, and, and I'm still a Met fan, I'm not going to not watch the games. Okay, I'm going to watch the games. I mean, I've got young players who are producing. Vientos has been brought back up. All right, so I'm happy about that. Benuelos, with the home run, I'm hearing, what, almost a 500-foot home run, maybe inching closer to the major leagues. So there's still things for me to watch. There's still things for me to look for as a Met fan. Okay, that's my team. I'm miserable. They, they I, I like to, you know, they force me sometimes to, you know, maybe go on Netflix and watch the quarterback series. <laughs> they even force me occasionally to hit Disney Plus and watch some stuff. But they're still my team. And so while I understand that this has been a disappointing season, I, 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 I'm still going to root for them. I'm still going to hope that they perform. But I also have to be realistic. Okay? And right now, the Mets are still having won, having lost six of their last ten. They are still six games under 500 and seven games back of the final wild card spot and have to climb over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Now, do I understand that they have some games against Philly? Yes. Do I understand that they have some games against the Marlins? Yes. Can they move up? Absolutely. Is the season over? Uh, numerically, no. But in the back of my mind, my eyes tell me that if this team cannot put together a more measured streak, this done, they're not going to make it. And that's going to be a major disappointment. And the next thing is, it makes you wonder, what are they going to do next season? What moves will they make in the offseason to be better next season? Because they went all in this season, pretty much. I mean, you got two future Hall of Famers who have not pitched to the back of their baseball card this season. You're set. If they had done so, you would be set in the short series. It's no question. That's the way you want it. But they've not only been betrayed by depth of the starters, not consistently being able to go into the sixth inning or beyond, but an average bullpen. And again, we've said it over and over again. You knew this bullpen needed more depth as soon as you saw Edwin Diaz at the World Baseball Classic. You knew that we gotta get some, we gotta get deeper in the bullpen because this is not good. Even if he comes back, and he could come back this season. I mean, depending on you know, I guess you want to bring him back just to see if he's okay near the end of the season, whether they're in it or not. Obviously, so you know what you have to do next year. But. This team's got to make some, this team has some decisions to make. That's long-term. Short-term, 
How are they going to perform over this next week of games? Will they inch closer to 500? To at least, in your mind, say, okay, if this is a 500 ball club, then you know what? I think we, we, we could get a real hot August, September, and roll into it. Okay? In theory, in theory, there's still a shot. Me, eh, I don't see it. I just don't see it. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll take your Met phone calls. We'll hear from the Mets. We'll also talk about the Yankees. Hey, they won the game yesterday. Hey, they hit some home runs yesterday. Hey, Aaron Judge is getting closer. Yankees in a totally different situation than the Mets. We'll discuss next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. You're welcome to join us at 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, talk to me. I will say hello to talk to you. Number one, I made two observations. You know how I feel about baseball. There are 10 hitters in the major leagues over 500, over 500, over 300, and only 11 teams, 11 out of 30, under 500. So in essence, that tells me one has nothing to do with the other. It's just a numerical coincidence. But uh, there are a lot of bad teams, and they're real mm-hmm. bad. I mean, there are really bad teams, so... You know, uh, my friend, most of my friends are Mets fans. Uh, watching that the, the airmail throw and McNeil running around the bases, mm-hmm. it's it's not there, Larry. I I, got, I I hope they go on a hot streak. But Scherzer reminds me of a guy before your day named Robin Roberts. I'm sure you heard of his name. Before the Cy Young Awards, even he won 20 games every year for the Phillies, but gave up 40 home runs. You know, most of them with nobody on base. But mm-hmm. uh, Scherzer is a Verlander's pitching much better than Scherzer yes. to me, and That's my naked right. eye. And the uh, bullpen is a problem. The infield's good, you know. They're setting the infield. So uh, with the kids, I think third baseman. My, you know, I'm not an educated eye on baseball, but I love the catcher. And, uh, so you know, he, you know, you, you know, listen, I don't know how good he is defensively. I don't watch enough of him. He's not bad, Spike. He, he's better than yeah. what we were told he was going to be. All right, but he could jack the ball out of the park. I don't know if he'll wind up with 28 or 32 home runs, but he's on, on that pace, it looks like. And uh, that's wonderful, you know, if he can catch decently and doesn't throw the ball into the outfield. But uh, I'll leave you with this. I'm looking over some stats because it's baseball until football starts, I guess, now. Mm-hmm. And it appears to me that the new rules have really affected the stolen bases and the times of the games, obviously. But the shift, I, I maybe when I hang up, I'll listen on the stream. Uh, you can give me your opinion on what you see the shift has caused. All right, Spike, thanks for checking in. Uh, the, the shift has helped some batters, and I think it's hurt some batters. But the, the real thing is I'm not sure – and maybe after the season's over and we look back and we'll be able to analyze it and compare, I think the pitch clock has hurt some batters and some pitchers as well. I really do. There's been some pitchers who you know, like to take their time and toe the rubber, get their breath, and you know, think through things, what they're going to do. They have a process. They, they have a, uh, you know, what they've done. They're creatures of habit. And now you've asked them to speed that clock up. 
And I don't know, and you would think, I mean, listen, you're a professional athlete. You learn to make the adjustments. That's what being a professional athlete is all about. It's about adjustments. That's how you remain successful. And so, you know, you would think that they would be able to deal with it. But I, I got to tell you, I just, I just wonder if some of the hitting and some of the pitching has not been affected by, by, the, by the pitch clock. It has done wonders for the, for the time of games, though. It has done wonders. It's been a major factor. And it's much better. It just is. You get the ball and you throw it. Let's go. You get the ball and you throw it. Let's keep the game moving. And there's still a little time for you to, you know, to, to get your mind right and step in there and see what's going on and have a plan. But I think there is a pace now to baseball games that you didn't have before. And I get it. The purists who just frown at the idea of we, what do you mean guys are hitting 200? That's acceptable. It wasn't acceptable back in the day. What do you mean uh, these guys are striking out so much that wasn't acceptable back in the day? You know, I get it. It's new times. And now we don't focus on average. We focus on power numbers. How many home runs you got? How many RBIs you got? What's your slugging percentage? That's what we focus on now. How many times do you walk? You know, uh, uh, that's what it is. And it's different. It, it, it takes different getting used to. So, you know, Spike, you're, and it shows in the amount of 300 hitters you have. There's not a lot in baseball, as you mentioned. And that's because we're not focusing on whether you hit 300 or not. We're focusing on power numbers. You can hit 230, 240. You give me 25-plus home runs, 75-plus RBI, I'm good. I'm good. Frank's in New Rochelle. Frank, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's up? Uh, you know, I, I'm not a Mets fan. I'm a Yankee fan. But if, if I am on the Mets management, I just think Scherzer and Verlander, like you said before, they're seven games out. they got to hop over about five, six, seven teams. I, Scherzer and Verlander, especially Verlander, has a lot of value. And teams will pay more than they normally would at a trade deadline to get them over the hump. I just think it's time to sell. So they have that. Berland is their best asset to sell. And I don't know why they would want to keep him. Uh, I just, you know, he's pitching well, but for some reason this year didn't work out. It could have been Diaz when he got hurt. It was like a, a little cloud over the team. They never they never really recovered for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But I really think he should go. And Cohen is finding out, which uh, he's a, obviously a very successful businessman, that, uh, you know, buying buying players and a big payroll doesn't guarantee a thing. And this year is living proof. So, but they have a lot of young players, Alvarez, Batty, and uh, you know, pretty decent future. They need a bullpen help, but everybody needs bullpen help. Yeah, really. And for the Yankees, I, I don't get. I just Rizzo hasn't hit a homer in two months. It's unbelievable. I know DJ hit one yesterday. Stan, Stan, DJ, and um, Rizzo have just really crushed this team since Judge has been out. None of them have performed uh, up to par. Really, way, way below par. And it's really the Yanks are just lucky they're hanging around. I mean, they're a couple of games out, mm-hmm. uh, so they're in a little better spot than the Mets, obviously. But those three guys should have been able to at least carry the team better than they did without Judge. Rizzo, two months without a homer. I mean, really? And this, it, this guy hit 30, 35 homers. Frank, it's year. amazing so, to me. Kind of, and thanks for the phone call. It's amazing to me that Anthony Rizzo has been, has been that bad at the bat. And, you know, listening to the Michael K show, on Friday, 
Michael said from what he's been told, he's been asking around that Rizzo's healthy. Because that's the first thing you think of. He can't be healthy. This is a this is a guy who's had great power numbers. He's been consistent. Okay? So, I mean, he of all people, to be honest, if you said to me that Stanton would struggle coming back from the injury, I would understand that. That's not a surprise. If you said to me DJ is still struggling, yeah, that's a little bit of a surprise because then you wonder if he's not healthy. But for Anthony Rizzo to to struggle the way he has, I would have, I, I would have been and am still shocked at what, what I've seen from him from an output. Shocked. Because he's a better hitter than that. And if anybody was going to be a person that would, you know, benefit from no shift, it's Anthony Rizzo. He's he's the poster boy for doing this. If you look back over his career, he, he's a contact guy. And to think that he hasn't even hit a pitching mistake out of a ballpark since May is unconscionable to me. It just is. And so, you know, I I, I don't know whether it's his approach. I don't know if he's just hitting in hard luck. I don't know if it's just one of those years. I don't know. It, it's hard for me to figure it out. Uh, your points about the Mets are well taken. Verlander has a no trade, so he'd have to waive it to wherever they want to, wherever he would be interested or what team is interested in him. And they'd have to make a decision on that. And listen, uh, you can't, you cannot buy a championship, but what you hope to do is sprinkle in the players in positions where you need more experience to tide you over to make the transition to a younger player taking over that spot. And uh, the pitching has not been the only problem. Jeff McNeil has been better lately, but he's not been close to the batting champion that he was last season. Uh, Starling Marte has not been close to the way he was last year. Now, he had double groin surgery. Maybe he hasn't recovered from that. I don't know. But he's not been the player, and he's now on the IL battling migraines. So you've got that issue. Then uh, Luis Guillaume, who has been a guy who's coming off the bench and been able to do some things and be a utility guy. He got hurt and he's headed to the IL. And so, so now you've got injuries falling in to your situation of lack of production. And there's no question that the Mets have struggled at the DH position. You know, Vogelbach gave you, he was bad for most of the season. He gave you a week or two after, you know, the mental break that the Mets gave him and he took and you thought, Hey, you know what? Wow. He came back. He was, he was, he was, you know, producing, you know, and then he went back, uh, you know, back on the side, on the slide again. So it, it's, it's really hard to read. It really is hard to read how both the Mets and Yankees have landed into this situation right now. The Yankees, yeah, you, you, you understand it. The judge kills them offensively. Now they weren't very good with him, but they are awful without him. And you knew the offense was going to take a hit. You just knew it. And you knew it because of the construction of the way the team has was built. I mean, you know, it's hard to it's hard for you to go into a position into the season where you have nobody that you are confident in in left field. And at third base, you are hoping and wishing and praying that Josh Donaldson was going to, you know, revert back and give you a year 
that, that he was going to go back into his past. Now it looks like he will not play for the Yankees again. I mean, some of these moves have just been a nightmare for Brian Cashman and the Yankees. 1-800-919-3776. Talking Mets and Yankees with you next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. You have gone into this season, I don't know if it was a money situation or not, and you didn't have a left fielder. Unacceptable. And you're playing IKF way too much. He's a good player that plays in different positions. He's not a good defender. Oswaldo Cabrera is not a great defender. It's just not. Franchi Cordero and Jake Bowers are not good defenders. They're not. So you want to try to stop runs, run prevention, and you came into the season without a left fielder. I don't care how much a left fielder costs. You cannot roll the dice and say, you know what, we're going to go with Oswaldo Cabrera. And they didn't think that IKF was going to be an outfielder. So that's on the front office. I'm sorry. That's on the front office. You cannot come into a season without a position. And the Josh Donaldson trade is something you can't get up from. Who's their third baseman? Oswald Peraza, he's a shortstop or a second baseman. He doesn't profile as a third baseman. And then if you go with DJ LeMay there, a 230 hitter without power is not a third base profile. Everything trickles down from that, Don. I'm sorry. Michael K. Dropping the knowledge on the Michael K. Show with Don LaGreca. That was on Friday. And he's everything he said about the Yankees is correct. It's Larry Hardesty on the Larry Hardesty Show on 9870 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also be a Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Uh, before I get to the phones, there is an article in today's post by Joel Sherman, who does a great job, columnist. And listen to this. Since January 2021, the Yankees have traded 20 prospects, including 13 pitchers. In return, they got Jamison Tyone, who's not here, Joey Gallo, who's not here, Anthony Rizzo, who's struggling here. Andrew Heaney, who's not here. Andrew Benintende, who's not here. Frankie Montas, who you wish wasn't here. And Scott Efros, who's hurt. I mean, what are you doing? And we didn't, and that doesn't even include the trade with Minnesota. Doesn't. That's, that's a problem. So when you look at what you have spent 20 prospects, including 13 pitchers, and you look at what you've gotten back, Benintendi was tough. I mean, he had the injury. What can you do? That, that was one of those things. It's one of those things. But in Rizzo, he's shown you something, but the rest I mean, a Montas who was hurt when you got him? It's not good. It's not good. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's happening, Tommy? Larry, how you doing, my friend? Great, partner. What's up? <laughs> so, uh, before I get to my point, uh, listen, at least thank God Andrew Heaney's not on this team anymore. <laughs> he, he could have been the pitcher for the home run derby, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> when he was here, you're right. Oh, my. It was, it was, that was brutal. Uh, but you made a... You touched on a really good point right after Spike's call about the uh, about the pitch clock and mm-hmm. the shift. So mm-hmm. when they make like sweeping rule changes like that, so I know they tried it uh, in AAA first, um, but do you think you know it's kind of important to 
bring that all the way down to the youth level, kind of like how they did with the uh, with the tackling rules in football. You know, not yeah. yep. not having head to head contact you know, and teaching the kids from you know when they start playing before you see. Uh, I do because I think it's I think some of these hard throwing relievers are the ones that are kind of maybe caught off guard with you know the amount of you know energy that they're exerting on each throw and not being able to recover in that 15 second time frame. Yeah, I can see that. And and I think especially guys who who as you mentioned throw the ball, even starters, Tommy, and thanks for the phone call. Even starters, that's an adjustment. Especially as you go further and further into the game on a hot day, you know, you used to take your time, walk around the mound, toss the rosin bag a little bit. You can't do that now. Can't do it. Let's get back out there. Some of them don't even leave the mound. I mean, leave the rubber. Some of them just, you know, hang right there and not move that much. And you only see clearly batters not stepping out of the batter's box unless they call time. And they're not doing that a lot. So I do think that it's it's not only a conditioning thing, Tommy, but it's a mental thing too. And, yeah, I do think, and I hope they are doing that now. I hope now going down further in the youth leagues, hey, this is what you're going to face. Get used to it. Let's Let's – Let's get you ready for that, okay? Let's you, you get you prepared for something of that nature, okay, so that you will know what's going on with that. Uh, and then, you know, are, are colleges going to make the adjustment? Okay, are we going to see this in the College World Series? All right. Uh, it's been in the minors, okay? So we'll see what happens there. But uh, it's going to – and I think next season will be better than this season because everybody will have a year to adjust to it. It'll be every, everybody will have done it. Everybody will know what's going on with it. Everybody will be focused about it. Everybody will say, "Okay, this is what we have to do. We got it." And so that's why I think you, that's why I think you're looking for it right now. So I think it will be better. I really do. Ed's in Brooklyn. What's up, Ed? Hey, Ed. All right, Ed, call me back. Joe's in Harrison. Joe, you're next on ninety-eight seven. Hey, Larry, my brother. One of my favorite people to talk to about sports. And you're going to make the time go by as I'm heading to Long Island with this traffic. Um, real quick, before I get to my point, um, mm-hmm. had the uh, pleasure to play golf down in Florida with uh, Kenny Singleton and Mike oh, Torres. Cool. Cool. Oh, the stories. And when Kenny started speaking in the golf cart, it sounded like the Yankee game was about to start. It's just amazing. <laughs> and I forget he went to Mount Vernon High School. Totally right. forgot that. That's totally right. forgot that. But uh, anyway, everything good in your world? Everything is good, Joe. Thanks for asking. Thanks for the kind words. What you got for me today? Yeah, so, I mean, you brought up a great point, all the prospects. Now, prospects are just prospects. But, I mean, who's scouting? Who's making a final decision? I mean, you, you went out and Rodon is a great picture. Rodon, how you pronounce it, is a great picture. Montas has his moments. But, I mean, you, how do you bring as many people in with injuries? I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, is it the scouting? Is it, you know, is it Cashman? I mean, you know, you got to point the finger, unfortunately, somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. where's it going? And also, as you know, we said, the Yankees are full of utility players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, you don't need that many utility players. And if you do have that kind of team where you don't have studs that can drive the ball, you have two of the fastest lefties and speed all over the place. And I understand analytics and they'll play small ball anymore. But where is the lefty drag bone? Where's the lefty pushing down the third baseline when third baseman's got a whole third? I don't, you know, if you can't, you know, drive them runs home, you got to manufacture and they have so much speed and they're not utilizing it. 
Your thoughts, Uh Joe, thanks for the phone call. Once again, I hear what you're saying about bunting and trying to get on base. It's not what they, it's not what they do now. It's just not. And you could argue, well, listen, you're not scoring. You need people on base. Let, let do something. <laughs> do something. Okay? Do something. We need some runs to be scored. What are we doing? We're just staying there swinging for the home run, and we're striking out, and, and we're striking out 17 times in the game, 14 times in the game. So, bunt, do something. I don't know that a number – I don't know that – to be honest, Joe, I don't know if there are five players – Five players that are that rotate in the Yankee everyday lineup that know how to bunt effectively. I just don't. You don't have a bunting roster. You don't. That's not what these guys are. You have more of a hit and run roster, and they're not doing that because they're not making contact. How how can you flash the hit and run sign when guys aren't hitting? So it's very frustrating, and you're right. You know, you have a bunch of utility guys, and that's because, you know what, the guys that we got are hurt or they haven't produced, and we have to bring in other people. I mean, once again, and we kill Cashman, and, and come on, the last couple of years have not been good for Brian. I think overall he's not, he's not been bad. He's done a decent job. He, he's, he's not he, – it's not that he doesn't know how to be a general manager. He hasn't forgotten. It's the moves haven't worked out. He's gambled, and it hasn't worked. All right, that, that's the major thing here. But, I mean, come on. You had to know. The answer, Joey Gallo, you had to know. He doesn't make enough contact. Yeah, short porch. And if anything, that makes it worse because he's trying to aim to get to the short porch. Oh, look how short that is. I can hit it over there. No, not, and he didn't. So it's, 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 he's been cursed in theory, in theory. You know, signing Aaron Hicks to the to the to the contract, seven year contract, ten, which came out to like what average is about ten million a year. It's not bad for a starting outfielder. It's not bad. The issues were the years. It's not the money. It's the years. Yankee fans are like, oh my God, why were most Yankee fans upset with Giancarlo Stanton coming to the Yankees? It wasn't the money. It was the years. That's the concern you have. Okay, if he's bad and on the tail, the back end of that contract, he's not going to be the same way he was at the front end of the contract. So clearly, clearly, years matter. Okay? Years matter. And that's the situation the Yankees have found themselves in. And now, here's their issue. Yes, they are within striking distance of a wild card spot, the last one. There's no question. They could easily get there. I mean, who, who's ahead of them? Toronto? <laughs> they play Toronto. So they can they, they take a series from Toronto and, and pass them. So that's not the issue. The issue is what moves can they make that help them not only short-term but long-term, okay? What are the moves they can make that helps them get better this year and the next year? Because as you can see, the lineup has gotten older right before your eyes. DJ is older. Rizzo is older. All right? And it's a factor. Stanton is older. And so do you expect that they're going to be closer to what they've been? 
or closer to a decline of what you're seeing now. So if you're Brian Cashman, yes, you want to go for it because you're right there. And it's about sustainable success. And it's about if we get to the postseason and we go on the run, anything can happen because we could we got players who can get us rolling. I get it. But it's not just about this season. It's about next season as well. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take more of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go back to the phones. Corey's in Edison. What's up, Corey? Corey. Hey, what's up, man? Hi, Larry. Um, So, this left field situation, um, with that clip you played with Kay, was right on point. But what I would say is is it makes it unacceptable, even if they believe that uh, Cabrera could could hit and be a left fielder. What we saw in that Guardian series, he cost us some games. He made, missed some plays that were unacceptable and that a major league left fielder would never miss. And from that moment, they should say, okay, this guy's not a left fielder. So for him to be a part of that left fielder um, situation is just unacceptable. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the phone call. Well, listen, that's – but now they're scrambling for somebody to play in left field. And they, they're they now looking at players to see who can make the deal, who can last, who who are an option. And what they can and cannot do, and who may be, you know, placed into a trade proposition because they struggle, because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. It's entirely possible. It is. Cullum's in the Bronx. Cullum, you're next on 987. Uh, good afternoon, Larry. Shout out to the company. Listen, like you're making so many good points, obviously, with, you know, all this other stuff with, with the Yankees. There's been more negative than there is positive with Brian Cashman over the last nine years. He's made a lot of a lot of bad moves, and there's more bad moves than there are good moves. It's simply to the point where you know they have to make a change. Teams have been doing this for so long. You'll have a you'll have a general manager who's good, who's been productive for many many years, but there's just time to need a new voice, and it's not just a new general manager. They need a whole new system on how they build a team. Right now, as it stands. There's only three players I can literally name that are the future for this team. It's Aaron Judge, it's uh, Garrett Cole, and it's possibly Volpe, you know, if he can develop and continue to be there. There's Mm -hmm. no one else who you look at, man, I want that guy for the next three or four years. Mm -hmm. Literally, nobody left. You're right, Cullum. Thanks for the phone call. And and that's, that's what they have to decide, right? Where is this team going? Because it's the Yankees. They're not going to blow it up and rebuild. They're going to retool on the fly, similar to what they did in 2016, where they retooled. 2017, they're the ALCS. That's what you expect. That's what the Yankees normally do. Okay? So they don't rebuild. They retool. That's why I say when you're looking to make a move, if you decide to make a move, and he's – they're two, two games out or a couple of games out. They're going to make a move because they're right there. They're not going to sell. They're two games. So they're going to do what they They're going to try to make a move. But the move can't just be about this year. It's also got to be about next year as well because look how many prospects you have given up. And, and once again, yeah, we know prospects. We don't know what they would have been. We don't know what they would have been, what what they would have done, how how they would have performed if they stayed. But it's not so much 
that you let them go. It's what you've gotten back and what you've gotten back in return for those prospects. See, that's that's what drives you nuts if you're a Yankee fan. That's what drives you crazy. Iris in Staten Island. What's up, I? Hey, good afternoon, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. What's going on? So I tell you, just on my way home, spent a couple of days out here. And I tell you, man, you know, I'd like to be optimistic. This team's loaded. This team is loaded with a Hall of Fame quarterback. If they stay healthy, Larry, they are going to make a lot of noise. And I tell you, it's very early on. Hackett is so versatile with the personnel he has, whether putting Wilson in the slot, David, he has interchangeable pieces, and they do stuff with fullbacks. You know, the defense is playing with a chip. I, it's like sometimes, am I watching the Jets practice? Because I'm not used to this, especially when you're watching a Hall of Fame quarterback. And it, it's, to me, this is all new, and it's very exciting. And listen, we all know about the offensive line. I actually think something might have went down with Beckton today. Uh, wait to hear the final report but at the end of the day you know just a really good team larry i know a lot of a lot of people have some negative stuff where they don't think it's because the jets they can't do something i think they're going to make noise i'm not saying that predicting super bowl Uh i think this team this team's going to be good but you know mid-january late january they're going to be playing football so you're telling me ira based on your based on your view from what you've seen this is a definitely a playoff team no, if, if the people that are on the field right now and they stay healthy, I guarantee they're in the playoffs. Wow. That's big, Ira, because you, you've seen a lot of football. <laughs> well, you've seen listen, a lot. I know, there's a lot of com- I, know, I know there's a lot of competition, but, Larry, mm-hmm. I'm, just so, I'm just so not used to watching a competent, high-level quarterback yeah, operate in offensive practice. And what a difference it what and he he demands excellence from everyone. If Garrett Wilson runs a wrong route or Lazard runs a wrong route, he's in their faces. He won't accept it. He's very much like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And as as it gets more serious and as the game starts, these players are gonna have to they're they're gonna have to raise their level of play to just match what Rogers brings to the field. Mm-hmm. All right, Ira, thanks for the phone call. I mean, if you're a Jet fan, that's good news. And the other side of it is your defense improves because you're facing a quarterback that's going to be effective, that's going to make you pay for your mistakes. So that's the other side of it as well. Kenny's in Jersey. What's up, Kenny? Hey, Larry, how you doing? I'm doing I great, want to Kenny. Talk about Sa- that's good. I want to talk about Saquon Barkley's contract. I think it's a disgrace and despicable the way they're treating Saquon Barkley. Now, first of all, he's an elite running back, and you're giving Daniel Jones $40 million a year. you telling me that Daniel Jones is $29 million better than Barkley? No way on God's given earth. And Daniel Jones hasn't done nothing since he's been in the league. Nothing. Well, they I'll wouldn't be where they'd be if it wasn't for Saquon Barkley. Well, remember, Kenny, and you and wanna... thanks for the phone call. Remember, there's a different pay scale for quarterbacks and running backs. And that's something that the NFL has got to change because they really have devalued the running back position. Plain and simple, they have. They have devalued the running back position. And I get that the league right now puts running backs in a certain category and they put them in a certain pay scale. I get it. 
And I understand that they think, well, listen, I can I can draft a running back in the third or fourth round, a couple of them, and I can put them both in the backfield and run them and run them and run them. And I don't have to pay them the same salary that I'm paying a Saquon Barkley, a Dalvin Cook, a uh, 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 Jacobs, a uh, Derrick Henry. You know, I, I, I understand all of that. But in this situation, you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that $2 million, which is the reported difference between the Giants and Saquon Barkley, you can't tell me that the $2 million could not have been worked out and you put him in multiple years. You can't tell me. It's $2 million. You have brought in other players since then that I'm sure you're paying more than $2 million. I can't guarantee it, but I'm sure. You got to pay him something. <laughs> you didn't bring him in for free. Okay? So that raises my eyebrow a bit. And as Jordan Runon wrote, Saquon Barkley not being in camp, and you know he's not coming, that is going to be a distraction that the giant players and coaches will be dealing with day after day after day after day. Any news on Saquon? Do you miss Saquon Barkley? How is it different that Saquon's not here? What's the difference in the offense without Saquon? Day after day after day. This is no longer about how Daniel Jones, even if even if the giant beat writers will talk about Daniel Jones having a really decent day, it's day four without Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley's absence is going to loom over this team until he comes back. If he comes back. Now, I don't see him holding out. I don't think he will because I don't think it helps him. But this is a situation that could have been avoided. If indeed you're telling me it's a $2 million difference in guaranteed money or total money, whatever. If you're telling me it's a $2 million difference, that's unacceptable to me. It's not my money, but it's still unacceptable to me. 1-800-919-3776. We're talking baseball. We're talking football. We're talking with you next. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on a Sunday on 98.7 ESPN, New York.